With a thought on the danger of comparing our circumstances with someone else's, here's Pastor Al Pittman. You kind of start comparing your husband with that soap opera guy. You know the guy. He always looks good in a suit, shows up at the right time with flowers and chocolates, and, you know, he's got two tickets, you know, first class to Paris. Don't bring anything but your toothbrush. You know that guy. He drives a Maserati, plenty of money, you know, you can, you know, whatever, you know, that guy. And then your husband walks in the door. A or B, <laughs> you know. You know, I'm discontent, you know, we're incompatible, you know, because we think that that fantasy is a reality in us. And we grow discontent because we start comparing. That's where discontentment comes from, it comes from we're comparing. Dwelling place, dwelling place, dwelling place, you are mine. Dwelling place, dwelling place, dwelling place. From Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado, comes The Dwelling Place. Pastor Al Pittman will join us momentarily to finish up Acts chapter 20. Before saying his goodbyes to the elders of the Ephesian church, the Apostle Paul had some important matters to discuss. He wanted them to be on the alert, to watch, and to be warned. These are exhortations the present-day church should take in and apply too. So let's turn to Acts chapter 20 and join Pastor Al. I'm looking forward to the future. I'm always looking forward to the future. But, you know, it might happen that 2020 may be a picnic for what's coming. I don't, I'm not looking for trouble, but Paul warned them. And we need to be warned by the word of God that troubles may be coming. Paul said, I warned you night and day with tears. And uh, to, be, to be careful, to be watchful. And he had cause for being concerned because they lived in a, the Ephesian church was in a polytheistic society, a society given to polytheism, to the worship of many gods. And they also had false teachers on every corner. I mean, they were surrounded by it in the Ephesian society. And so he was warning them. That word watch, he says, I want you to watch. That it means to give strict attention to, to be cautious, to be active. I thought that's interesting because sometimes we think that the, the posture of Christianity is passivity. No, it's activity. Activity in Christ, being about our Father's business. We need to be about our Father's business. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It is a, a you know, God wants us to participate in his holiness. Amen. He tells us that in the book of Hebrews. He wants us to be a partaker of his holiness. That's why he disciplines us. Amen. So watch to be actively involved in the things of God. The book of Revelation, however, reveals that the elders failed to fully adhere to Paul's third point of instruction, to be watchful. Why do I say that? Because in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, Jesus addresses the church in where? Ephesus. He says, you've done all these great things, all these wonderful things. You know, you'd be commended for them. But look, here's one thing I have against you. You have left your first love. They were not watchful. We can be doing a lot of things, but are we truly watchful? Because in the midst of doing all those things, we can abandon and leave our first love. I think it's a word for the church today. Because many are tempted, many fellowships are tempted to abandon their first love in Christ for love for the world. We want to appease the world. We want to make sure the world is okay with us. But Christ should be our first love. It's important to be watchful, because if we're not watchful, we'll be wasteful. The old black college commercial 
Back in the day, you used to say, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Hey, a Christian life is a terrible thing to waste. And if you're not watchful, you're going to be wasteful. I don't think God's going to... Well, I, I don't know. We'll see. We get to heaven. I'm looking forward to seeing the Lord face to face and all of that. But here's what I don't want to hear in heaven. Al, you know, welcome. You know, here's, here's your blessing for the things you've done. Here's your, your reward. But this is what it could have been if you're not wasted most of your time in frivolous things. Be watchful lest you be wasteful. Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, also said this. Ephesians chapter 5, he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Amen. So three simple points of instruction. He's not how much time. His, his ship is getting ready to sail. Amen. He's got to get on the ship, and he's just got a little time with him, and he gives him these points of instruction. And after these three points of instruction, Paul then commends him. Remember I said there was, in his last words there was instruction? Now he commends him, commends the elders to the word of, to, to God, to the presence of God, and to the word of God's grace, the word of grace. And so we read here in verses 32 to 35, he says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God. And to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Those who are, the word sanctified means to be set apart, set apart in Christ. Verse 33, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. Now, what is Paul doing here? Well, he's commending them to the Lord. He's commending them to the presence of God and to the word God's word of grace. Those two things. By those two things, he said, you will be built up. What grows the church? What grows the church is the presence of the Lord and his word. Paul really gives us, you know, the, 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 the instructions here. As he commends them, he says, I commend you. And I want you to be in a safe place. I mean, I know where, where you know, the, the governor said he wants us to be safer at home. And I want to show you, you can be safer in Jesus. Amen. And in a safe place consists of God's presence and God's word. Amen. And so he's, he's instructing them. This is how you can be built up in the Lord. Is, is by God's presence and, and, and his word. And, you know, sometimes people ask and have asked in the past, how do you, what do you guys, some pa pastor asked me all the time, what are you guys doing over there? You know. I said, we're just teaching the word. Where the word, where God's presence is and where there's the word of grace, the church is built up. It naturally grows. And that's what we desperately need. And with these two, this combination, guess what? We as the body of Christ are never hopeless. Did you know that God doesn't want you to be hopeless? If you're hopeless, you're not listening. And there's times I feel hopeless. Amen. I'll be honest. I'm a pastor, but sometimes I feel like, well, I don't know, you know. 
God, you know, remember the words of David. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. I shall yet praise him. Amen. And I have to remind, stir myself up sometimes. But, but as a believer in Christ, we're never without hope. I was reading in Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18, some of you may re- recall the story there. How God spoke to Jeremiah. Jeremiah was warning the nation of Judah, Judah, southern Israel, you know, to repent. Lest the Babylonians come down, led by King Nebuchadnezzar, and destroy Israel and destroy the temple. And because of their idolatry, and they had rebelled against the Lord. And Jeremiah, he had a, he had a tough job. But the Lord led him down to the Bible called the potter's house. Remember the account? He goes down to the potter's house, and the Lord says to Jeremiah, what do you see? He says, I see a potter, the potter at the wheel. And the, the clay is all marred, and he's making something new. And the Lord, and I'm paraphrasing this, but the Lord said to Jeremiah, tell Israel I can do the same to them. That he's the potter. And he said, you know, even though you've been marred and, and, and all this, you know, I can make you something new. He said, any nation that would put their hope in me, I, I can make them new. And the nation that is great and wonderful, he said, I could destroy. And I thought, wow, what a great word for America. A great word for our nation. Remember, you know, no matter how much we've gotten away from the Lord or whatever, God is saying, listen to me, come to me. I can make you new. I know you marred. I know you've lost your way. But if you'll come to me, I can make you great. I can make you new. Because you're the clay and I'm the potter. And I can fashion you into something different, something new. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. But he said, if you're a great Work of art, of pottery, whatever he said, I can also destroy you if you turn away from me. He's talking to nations, not just the nation of Israel. He's saying, I'm the potter. I can do this in your nation. And so there's a, it's really a great word of hope. And, 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 and yet, again, what about our own lives? Are we walking in hopelessness because we think, God can't make something new? I messed up, Lord. I messed it all up. There's no way. God says, but I'm the potter, you're the clay. I can fashion something brand new if you'll trust me. You know what their response was, Israel's response? Judah's response to the Lord was, I I put it on the screen for you in, in Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 12. And they said to him, that is hopeless. God can't make us new. God can't do a new work in my life. God can't change our nation around. That is hopeless. So we will walk according to our own plans, and we will everyone obey the dictates of his evil heart. Thanks, God, but no thanks. We'll fix ourselves. And as a result, Judah was judged. Nebuchadnezzar came down, the great king of Babylon, and destroyed the nation of Judah and destroyed the temple and carried people away in a 70-year captivity. Pastor Al will be back in a few moments with the second half of today's message in Acts 20. As we course our way through the year 2022, there are a lot of uncertainties. If there's one thing that needs to be consistent, it's the broadcasting of sound Bible teaching, like you hear every day on The Dwelling Place. We need your financial support to continue this radio ministry. To make a one-time donation or to become a monthly supporter, just go to cwccs.org or text the word GIVE to 719-354-2778. You can also send a donation through the mail to The Dwelling Place, 501 Castle Road, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80904. And on behalf of Pastor Al, thanks for your support, both through donation 
and through prayer. Now here's Pastor Al with the second half of today's message titled, Last Words. Hopelessness is born out of unbelief. Do we believe that God is able to make something new? Do we believe that God is able to make something new in your life? There are Christians who are not in church today. I'm not saying people watching online, it's great. But there are some Christians who won't even come to church because they've been convinced by the devil that they are hopeless. You're never hopeless in Christ. God, who is the potter, can make something new. Amen? If we'll trust him. Paul kind of goes into this, uh, you know, kind of using his own life as, I believe, as evidence of a life that's commended to the Lord, a life that's entrusted to God, a life that is submitted to the potter's hands. And there's three characteristics that he pulls from his own life, his own experience, to kind of demonstrate that to them here as he commends them to the Lord. And those three characteristics, we just read over them quickly, but uh, the first one is a life of contentment. When you're in the potter's hands, you're content. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul said, I didn't covet, in verse 33, he said, I didn't covet anyone's gold or silver or their apparel. Coveting. Covetousness is a deadly disease. A deadly disease. Paul said, I didn't covet. Because I'm content, I'm in the potter's hand. Amen? You see the connection? I didn't covet anyone's gold or silver. You know, people grow discontent for this very reason. You grow discontent when you start comparing. You start comparing your wife to somebody else's wife, or your husband to somebody else's husband. You ladies kind of start comparing your husband with that soap opera guy. You know the guy. <laughs> he always looks good in a suit, shows up at the right time with flowers and chocolates, and, you know, he's got two tickets, you know, first class to Paris, don't bring anything but your toothbrush. You know that guy. He drives a Maserati, plenty of money, you know, you can, you know, whatever, you know, that guy. And then your husband walks in the door. <laughs> a or B, <laughs> you know. And I'm discontent, you know, we're incompatible, you know, because we think that that fantasy is a reality and it's not. And we grow discontent because we start comparing. That's where discontentment comes from. It comes from we're comparing. Comparing one church to another church or, you know, whatever. But godliness with contentment, being grateful for what God has given me and thankful for what he's given me is great gain. Godliness with contentment. Amen? <laughs> oh, I shouldn't go there. Amen. Let me move on. All right. The second characteristic uh, in a life that is in the potter's hands, that's commended to the Lord that Paul uses from his own life, is a life of tolerance. Verses 34 and 35, the first part of verse 35, you know, he, he talks about the fact that Paul, you know, he said, I used my hands to take care of, to provide for myself. I didn't, you know, mooch off of the church. I used my own hands. I worked, and not only provide for myself, but provide for other people. He said, but, you know, I've done this as an example to you to, that you should... Bear with the weak. He was tolerant. And he wasn't tolerant to the, to the, at the expense of truth, like today, if everybody wants you to be tolerant of everything, you know, not to say anything about, you know, but not, you know, tolerant, but not at the expense of truth. He, but he's talking about tolerance with those who are weak. Romans chapter 15, verse 1 says, You who are strong, bear with the scruples of the weak, and do not 
and not rather to please ourselves. And those of you who are strong in the Lord, bear with those who are a little weak in the Lord, not to please yourself. I know you want to grab them upside and by the nap of the neck or slap them upside the head and say, you know, straighten up. That pleases you, but does it please the Lord? I gave them a piece of my mind, but did you give them the peace of God? You just satisfied yourself, but did you please the Lord? So bear with those who are weak, you who are strong. And then the third characteristic we find here that Paul mentions is that of a life committed to God in the potter's hand, if you will, is a life of generosity. He quotes here the Lord Jesus. As he says, Jesus said that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, you can search all four Gospels and you won't find that verse. And the reason you won't find that verse is that Jesus said it. I believe he said it. I believe Paul is speaking here on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's not lying to us. But John confessed and said that if all the things that Jesus said were written, all the books in the world could not contain them. There are things that, wouldn't it be great to hear the things that are not written down? Amen. But Jesus was getting ready to catch a ship, too. He, had, he only had so much time. And you know what? He's given us, and God has given to us, the scriptures, just what we need, necessary information, truth to get us home. Amen? But there are many things that he said that were not written down in the Gospels. And here's one of them. More blessed to give than to receive. You know, we, we know how to receive, but do we know how to give? And a lot of times I will bless somebody or the tip or something like that. And I jokingly say many times if, you know, you go eat at a restaurant and the bill's 30 bucks and you leave somebody 50 cents, don't tell them you go to Calvary Worship Center. Tell them you go to First Baptist or something. Or, you know. <laughs> I'm teasing. But you know what? It's like leave them a generous tip. And a lot of times I've done things like that and people go, wow, that's, that's very generous of you. I say it always comes back to me and it does. It always, you never, can never outgive God. I was young, now I'm old. <laughs> Neither have I seen God's seed forsaken or begging for bread. God has provided for my household, my family, my wife and I, all these years. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And so Paul uses this life here, these three things, you know, a life of contentment, a life of, of tolerance, a life of generosity, uh, as an example for them to say, this is a life that is commended to God. This is a life that is, is uh, uh, in, the, in the potter's hands, that's, that's relying upon the Lord. Uh, it, it's a life that you should follow. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, you know, that those in the leadership positions in the church, it says to follow those whose faith follows. You know, you don't want to follow a pastor who says, do as I say, not as I do. You want to follow a pastor, not, he's not perfect, that person may not be perfect, but you, know, you want to follow a pastor whose faith follows. They're living and walking by faith, amen, trusting in, in the Lord. So now we come to verses 36 and 38 and, and the conclusion, and I want you to kind of, you know, maybe close your eyes and just think what was going on there, what that scene looked like, because this is very emotional, a very touching scene. In verse 36, the Bible says, and when he had said these things. He knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. 
and they accompanied him to the ship. A very touching moment, expression of love for one another and all. They're saying goodbye to their friend. They will not see again, probably will not see again until heaven. In conclusion, three things, three last words here that we should take with us, and that is take heed to yourself. Number two, beware of wolves. And number three, remain watchful. These are last words that we can live by today in the times in which we live now. Last words can reveal a lot of truth. It can reveal the eternal trajectory of our lives. Last words. I'm, I was reading about some last words, people, uh, quotes from people famous uh, and the like, you know, on their deathbed, some of the last words. It's pretty interesting. You ever do a study of that? There is a definite difference between those who know Christ and those who do not. I was reading where Anton LaVey, many of you recognize that name. He was the author of the Satanic Bible and high priest of the religion, of the religion which was dedicated to worshiping the devil. And his dying words were, and I quote, Oh my, oh my, what have I done? There is something very wrong. There is something very wrong. Close quote. Dwight L. Moody, famous preacher and founder of the Moody Bible Institute, while on his deathbed, however, his last words were, and I quote, Can this be death? Why is it better than living? Earth is receding. Heaven is opening. This is my coronation day. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I can't wait. Hallelujah. Thank God. One last words of condemnation, another of celebration. Jeremiah the prophet wrote in Jeremiah 17, 14, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. For you are my praise. May his praise be on my lips. May his praise be my last words when I leave this world. Be your last words when you leave this world for your great coronation day. Last words do matter. They matter to the church, Ephesian elders, and they matter in regards to our eternal trajectory when we leave this world. This has been The Dwelling Place with pastor and author Al Pittman and a message from Al's series through the book of Acts. You can listen to today's message again, watch the video version, or download an MP3 with a simple click. Just go to cwccs.org and click the Messages tab at the top of the page. And while you're checking out our website, be sure to download the Calvary Worship Center app for your device and take Pastor Al with you wherever you go. The Dwelling Place is also available at oneplace.com. And I'd also like to ask you to take a few moments today to send Pastor Al an email and let him know that you enjoy The Dwelling Place on this station. That would be a great encouragement to Pastor Al and all of us here at The Dwelling Place. You can also share a prayer request with us, and we'll count it a privilege to pray for you. Just send an email to amen at cwccs.org. Let me also remind you in closing that The Dwelling Place is a listener-supported outreach. We count on your support to keep this radio ministry going and growing. If you'd like to join our support team with a one-time gift or on a regular monthly basis, you can do so at our website, cwccs.org.
or by texting the word GIVE to 719-354-2778. If you live in the Colorado Springs area and are looking for a church home, or you'll be visiting the area in the future, we invite you to come join us for worship here at Calvary Worship Center. You'll find directions and more information at cwccs.org. And no matter where you are, you can watch our services via live streaming right there at our website. Have a wonderful day in the Lord and join us for another study in Acts next time on The Dwelling Place with Pastor Al Pittman, presented by Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Dwelling Place.